This is episode 95 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are Best Self-Defense Handguns for an SHTF or Prep Situation The Reasons Why You Should Not Be Prepping from Fear Alone And How to Make and Use Zero Pots to Keep Your Foods Cold Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before I get started uh, tonight, uh, just a couple of shouts out. Uh, we did receive a couple of reviews on uh, on iTunes. I do really appreciate it. Uh, Rigor9771, thank you so much. And Sharpstick888, again, thank you so much. Uh, that really helps out a lot. Uh, get the and, and now the uh, the reviews are starting to show up on on iTunes. So I guess you need a minimum amount before they start showing up. And so now they're starting to show up, and uh, that really helps get uh, the algorithms, I guess, on iTunes to show us more when people start looking for podcasts. So really, really appreciate that. And then on episode 92, uh, John left a comment. Uh, one quick tip, and I'm, I'm sorry, that was the episode where we talked about cooking rice and rice storage. And uh, John left the, the tip. One quick tip for cooking rice. Once done cooking, rinse the rice with cold water to remove excess starch. This keeps the rice from becoming sticky. Also, Lowe's has BPA-free food-grade 5-gallon buckets with gamma lids for $10 each. It's the cheapest I've found. So uh, thanks for... Passing along that information, John. Appreciate that. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to be back in Houston. I, I don't really announce it when I'm not in Houston, uh, but uh, I was in San Antonio for the ISTE conference, and that's the International Society for Technology and in Education. And uh, it's it's one of the it, it's actually the biggest um, the biggest conference uh, you know of education and technology of its kind in the world. I mean, it's international. So there was people speaking all kinds of languages. I was in San Antonio and uh, it was it was my first ISTE. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm in education. Um, that's that's what I do, my, my day job, I guess. Uh, but it, it was it was the biggest conference that I've ever been in ever. And so uh, really, uh, it, it was crazy. It was really crazy. So uh, people everywhere. So when I was walking, of course, you know, I, I never forget, you know, <laughs> the preparedness aspect of it. So there was a couple of things that kind of uh, got me thinking there. Uh, first of all, there was a fire in the River Center Mall. And so uh, those of you who are familiar with San Antonio, the convention center is right next to the mall. And um, so those those that are in the, you know, that go to the conference, you can download an app and they push out notifications to you all the time about things that are going on. And one of them, you know, one of the notifications said that there was a, a fire in the mall. And so, uh, you know, different routes were, were blocked off. And so, okay, all right, you know, I can understand that. And the mall w- would be closed. And uh, that kind of sucked for me because I, in order to get to my hotel, uh, it was a straight shot through the mall. So it was really easy for me. But when I went outside, um, I, was, I was really amazed by the police presence. Uh, there was fire, fire trucks all over the place, and it, it m- wasn't just a, a little grease fire. It must have been a, a pretty big fire, because, uh, like I said, they shut down the mall for the whole for the whole day, 
and uh, didn't open it up till the next morning. But uh, there was a lot of fire firemen around, but the the police officer presence was big, and uh, they were I mean they were everywhere, and I was like. Uh, I was starting to wonder, you know, was it really? Are they just saying it was a it was a fire, a grease fire, and it, maybe it was something else? And so, as I was walking back, I was, you know, I had to take the long way around to my hotel room, but uh, I finally stopped and asked one of the police officers, I'm like, hey, uh, you know, is it, are we sure that this is a fire, and not maybe something terroristic or anything? And he says, no, it was it was a fire. We just uh, we really support our firemen, and we want to come out here and and uh, make sure that they're safe so we're not going to let cars pass through and while they're working out in the streets and, and going in and doing what they need to do. So that, that was kind of cool. But, uh, you know, the, the spidey senses or the prepper senses get, uh, you know, get going and you start wondering, man, what the heck's going on? The other thing was is, uh, I mean, San Antonio and especially where we were was a very big tourist town. And so you have, um, you know, people going out in all, you know, because my district's a big district and there's a lot of vendors are always, you know, inviting us to different receptions and things like that. One of the receptions was in the evening time. And so, you know, I'm traveling there and I'm a pretty big guy. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of walk up tall and, and straight and I'm always paying attention to what's going on uh, because there are some people that are, you know, on the on the streets, on the side of the streets and stuff like that, that you kind of wonder, right? And, um, you know, everything was fine there, but I was totally amazed at the amount of women that were by themselves, you know, that were kind of walking to hotel rooms by themselves, uh, even during the day is still, still just kind of got me thinking them and that's not safe. And then a lot of the times, I mean, everybody was on their phones because it was a technology conference. You have apps and things and all kinds of Twitter and everything going off. And so people are, you know, walking to the convention center. They're in the convention center. They're all over the place, uh, you know, with the, you know, their heads are in their in their phones. And then a lot of the times they have the ear earplugs in, and uh, or the you know the earbuds in. I'm sorry, and uh, you know, listening to music or or what, listening to watching videos or whatever it is, and not really paying attention to what's going on. So man, it's just kind of like eye opening. Uh, you know, all the people that really don't stay aware out there. And, and so it just had me thinking. So, uh, you know, that's kind of kind of crazy. Hey, uh, I'm um, I am broadcasting live as well on the Facebook group while I'm recording tonight. And Brian says hi. Hi, Brian. Thanks for uh, for hanging with me tonight. So anyway, uh, yeah, that uh, that that conference was crazy. And then going going down there and going I mean, it was great. But uh, I recorded, so I recorded, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night uh, there in the hotel room. I was afraid that I was going to be a little too loud and, and people were going to complain, um, but uh, no one complained and so everything was good and, uh, you know, got through it, but, but hauled all my equipment down to San Antonio to be able to record down there and uh, you had some late nights, especially down there because Things sometimes didn't end till nine, ten o'clock at night, and then went to the hotel room to to record and do you know uh, put the podcast together. So uh, I was home for yesterday's podcast, but I was tired, and so I uh, was kind of pushing through to get that done and uh, to get some sleep. So anyway, let's go ahead and start with our articles for today. Uh, the first article comes to us from PreppersWill.com. And the article is Best Self-Defense Handguns for an SHTF or PrEP Situation. And let me tell you, 
anytime, anytime on the internet when you talk about handguns and especially you know best handguns and you start throwing out different uh, types of handguns and manufacturers and model numbers and stuff, uh, people are going to have problems. I mean, no one ever agrees on 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 firearms and handguns and stuff. So this is very very true, even in the comments on this one. So uh, uh, it's kind of funny, but I think it's uh, you know it's a good article to kind of to think about and to read and something that we should take into consideration. So let's go ahead and read this one. The handgun you should choose for an SHTF situation is a little different from the one you carry around every day. Preppers have a few things to worry about that the average Joe doesn't. Because whichever handgun you choose for self-defense, you want to make sure it will keep going long after civilization collapses. If you're looking for a handgun for an SHTF situation, it's worth pausing for a moment to think about what a handgun is actually for. It is possible, of course, to strap a huge scope on top of a 38 Special and go out hunting deer. However, if you are a prepper, you likely already have a hunting rifle for that. Why use a handgun when you have a gun specially designed for hunting? In truth, the primary purpose of a handgun is any, in any survival situation is self-defense. Against wild animals, sure, but also against your fellow man. Further, if you know a firefight is coming, you have time to get your assault rifle, so equally you shouldn't expect a handgun to stand in your, in your main combat armament. Okay, so uh, it's just a rifle, not a, an assault rifle. <laughs> I know a lot of people have uh, problems with that. Anyway, well, that was a discussion I had some, with someone in, in school one time. Uh, now, what you want to look for in a handgun for an SHTF situation is something you can carry around more or less comfortably. Carry concealed in a variety of holsters, but also has huge stopping power. It should, it should complement the rest of your armory, not seek to replace it. And this brings me to the most inf important factor in choosing a handgun for a survival situation. Caliber. Of all the types of ammo out there, we can immediately disregard a few rounds as simply not powerful enough. Whilst having a 22 rifle is useful for hunting small game, it's not going to stop an assailant. On the other hand, a lot of very large caliber rounds, and notably the 357 Magnum, are already pretty scarce and likely to be almost impossible to find after the SHTF. So a lot of people in the comments had problems with the fact that the 22, uh, the 22 rifle that he refers to it, just hunting small game, and that 357 uh, you know, caliber cartridges aren't uh, easily found. But anyway, that's the comments, right? Uh, what you're looking for, therefore, is a handgun that takes a 9mm or 44 Magnum or 45 ACP round. All of these bullets have enough stopping power and are also common enough that you should have no trouble finding them in a post-collapse world. The second major factor to consider in choosing a handgun for survival is the reliability of the gun and the degree to which you can fix it yourself. In reality, this means going for a brand that has already built up a good reputation for build quality and a gun that is common enough that you are going to be able to find spare parts for it. Thankfully, it's easy to find a handgun that satisfies all of these criteria, even if you live in a state with restrictive firearm laws. Let's take a look at some good choices. The Glock 19. A boring choice, I know, but the very fact that this gun is so common is actually a huge advantage in an, in an SHTF situation. Spare parts, magazines, and ammunition is widely available, and the simplicity of the design here means that the gun is easy to fix yourself. 
Though I don't particularly like the look or feel of this gun, I'll admit that it also has a good reputation for reliability and is actually pretty accurate. I've chosen the Glock 19, though the 17 is also a good choice because I think it is the perfect size. Just about small enough to conceal if you need to, but also large enough to keep going for years and give you a decent chance of hitting something. Smith & Wesson 40 M&P I know this is the go-to gun for a lot of preppers and it's pretty easy to see why. The extra stopping power this gun gives you over a 9mm could come in very useful. While it's not, appreci not appreciably increasing the level of recoil you feel. In addition, the original 40 MMP is remarkably light for such a powerful gun, meaning that you can carry it almost everywhere. In an, essay, in, a, sorry, in a survival situation, you are most likely to be attacked when you least expect it, and so you need a gun that, you can stay on, that can stay on you at all times. And of course, though, this gun achieves impressive accuracy with a bit of practice. Having 15 rounds in the magazine means you can miss a few times and not worry too much. Smith & Wesson 686 Magnum. I know, I know, I said above that I wouldn't recommend a 357 Magnum, but if you already have one of the guns above, getting the Classic might not be a bad choice. Though ammunition for it might run out pretty quickly, it will stop almost anything with one bullet, so as long as you use it sparingly, it's a great gun to have around. Ultimately, effective use of a firearm is more about familiarity and practice than about having the latest features. Though it can be tempting to buy a new gun, especially for SHTF situations, a gun is no better than the person shooting it. So if you have a reasonably powerful, fairly common pistol already, you already have a good gun for when the SHTF, as long as you know how to use it. So article written by Sam Bosetta for Prepper's Will. Again, uh, you know, comments, you know, comments that were left. Where you know just really really get down on on the author for what uh, you know some of the things that he said. Um, you know, not too long ago I did have a survey question on Ed that matters and uh, the gun of choice. I mean, there was there was a lot. Uh, you know, uh, different different brand names, you know, manufacturers and models and all that kind of stuff. But uh, really, Glock was the the biggest. Glock 19, and then you had 1911s out there, but Glock 19 was the one that most people said that they, you know, they usually carry. They usually they they have that gun. So that um, is a very very popular firearm to have, and something to think about when you're talking about parts and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I'm not a gunsmith, and so I don't know exactly what what parts you would want to have uh, as far as repair. Like what parts really, you know, would would uh, uh, have problems, you know, long term. And so ones that you would want to stock, uh, that might be something to look into too. That might be a good article uh, to find. You know, you know, if anything was going to fail, like on a Glock 19, uh, what, which parts would it be, and how can I order? You know, where can I go to order those parts so I have those extras? And so, uh, you know, that might be something that someone can write out there. Someone who has a little bit more uh, familiar, familiarity with uh, with those guns. All right, so let's go ahead and go on to our next article. And our next article comes to us from ModernSurvivalBlog.com. And the article is entitled, The Reasons Why You Should Not Be Prepping from Fear Alone. All right, let's go ahead and read this one. And this is a, more of a philosophical one, but a good one. Is fear a motivator for your prepping and preparedness? Fear can certainly be a powerful motivator and is used often, too often, in the realm of pre prepping and preparedness. 
How many preppers and other websites are constantly filling their article titles with apparent fear-mongering day after day? Over the many years of our own online presence, I have written my share of article titles which have used choice words to instill an emotion of fear as motivation to take action. However, we don't constantly do it. While fear is a motivator, it is a negative motivator. Although using fear to instigate action does have its time and place, using it constantly will get old after a while. Yes, there are some pretty serious risks out there which ought to motivate us to become better prepared. But you know that what? There are some other pretty amazing reasons why you should not be prepping and preparing from fear alone. Independence. Oh my goodness, I must tell you how great it feels to travel down the road of independence. Sure, we'll always have laws governing us in today's world, some of them ridiculous, however, when you begin to unlock the shackles around your feet and the handcuffs on your wrists, a whole new world opens up before you. While the strict definition of independence is self-governing, not subject to control by others, and not being affiliated with a larger controlling unit, the thing is that although we are still governed, we can certainly reduce being subject, subject to control by others. More of the definition fits though, not requiring or relying on something else, becoming of independent means, and showing a desire for freedom. The point I'm making is this, the more able that you are to govern yourself, to take care of yourself, to do for yourself, the more independent that you will be and feel, and it is a good feeling. By taking steps down the path of prepping and preparedness, you will be lessening your dependence on others and other systems that may actually be controlling you, your actions, and your behavior because of your need for them. Self-reliance. Reliance on one's own efforts and abilities brings with it satisfaction, a sense of independence and an inner strength that will make you a stronger and more powerful human being. The more that you can do for yourself, the more self-reliant that you become. The more self-reliant that you become, the less that you need from others and other systems. For example, the more food that you grow yourself, the less food you need from the grocery store. The more you acquire and store for later, the less you will need during a time of shortage. There are all sorts of examples, but you get the idea. Aesop's The Ant and the Grasshopper MSB Modified Version During a warm late summer evening, a grasshopper was partying about, drinking and dancing to its heart's content. An ant passed by toiling with sacks of food and supplies on the way to its home. Why not drop what you're doing and come party with me, said the grasshopper, instead of wasting your time dragging all those supplies to your home. I am preparing for the troubles ahead, said the ant, and I think you should do the same before it's too late. Why bother about all that, said the grasshopper. I have plenty of food until the next time I go grocery shopping. But the ant kept going and continued its prepping and preparedness. When the SHTF, the grasshopper, found itself dying of hunger, and while it saw the ants banding together with plenty of food from the preparations they had taken, then the grasshopper knew it was too late. Be aware that the spirit of self-reliance, the spirit of independence, and the spirit of individualism, the spirit of personal responsibility, are all a net opposite personal composite from that of big government, socialism, and communism. In fact, those ideals are often looked upon as enemies to the controlling entangled webs cast from big government, socialist, and communist. While there is surely and definitely plenty to fear out there, 
I'm suggesting that once you start prepping and preparedness, you will discover the tremendous motivation that naturally comes from the resulting independence, self-reliance, and the satisfaction of personal responsibility and its accomplishments. Just living the lifestyle, regardless of how far you want to take it, is a rewarding experience for many of those who do it. In a way, it's getting back to our ancestral roots of normal living, know-how, <clears throat> rugged individualism, and responsibility. Except today, we can also leverage technology while still reducing our reliance on needs upon others or other systems. Be aware that the system is set up to trap you in, 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 into dependence. Look for those traps everywhere you go and in everything that you do. Once you begin to see them, it will become easier to spot them and step around them. While I was still on occasion, while I still on occasion will present fear titles, please know that there are plenty of positive and rewarding reasons to live the more independent lifestyle of a prepper. So this article must have uh, really hit. Um, you know, a tone here on Modern Survival Blog because there there were like 99, there's 99 comments. And so that's a lot of comments here uh, for this article. You know, it wasn't a very long one and, you know, it was more philosophical in nature. But uh, I think it really hit a tone over here. And so you definitely want to go check that out and kind of read. Uh, you know, when there's 99 comments in an article, especially one that was released on the 27th, so two days ago, you know, that's something that you, know, you can go read and see what people are saying and, and you know, probably will resonate with you as well. Um, you know, in, in my own preparedness, that's why I've really been pushing here lately since I've started the podcast and uh, the new Facebook group and even the new list, uh, the e-course, you know, living a more self-reliant life. Because you, you eventually get to that point where you realize, you know, you're preparing. That gives you a, a certain level of satisfaction. You, you're acquiring skill that, that, that brings you satisfaction. You are, hopefully you are getting debt free. You know, being debt free, uh, does more, I think, to help you feel that freedom like, uh, Ken is talking about here in this article. Um, because when you, when you don't, when you're not tied to all that debt, there are other options that you can that you have out there. So, for instance, if you got your dream job but it, you had to take a little pay cut, if you are debt free and you don't have to worry about paying all these debts, then you can do it. If you are like, uh, let's say, Becca from uh, Country Acres Homestead, where uh, you know they they finally they moved. She was writing about homesteading and wanting to homestead, and finally had the the chance to you know to move and go do that. And uh, you know they they're able to feel that independence, but they were in a position where they were able to do that and how many people you know just today it's funny reading this article uh on facebook i saw there's a video maybe you have you know what i, I know that it's on youtube so i'm going to go grab it and i'll put it on episode 95 and link to it it's uh it's called the the russian hobbit and so is a guy he was a lawyer i mean of, of all things he was a lawyer and he just got kind of fed up with everything he got fed up with with life and i wasn't able to listen to the actual uh you know is one of those videos where you can read what, what what he's saying but i mean this guy kind of lives like in a hole in the ground and he lives this uh self-reliant uh lifestyle and uh man it's it's crazy so 
Um, he's got solar panels and different things like that. But when they're taking this video, I mean, there's snow covering the ground. And, you know, he's chopping wood for fire and, and uh, living very, very simply. And, uh, you know, he, he had that ability to be able to do that. At some point, he was able to make that that move and uh, and go do that. Uh, and so, uh, you know, he wasn't prepping from fear, but that, that idea of independence and self-reliance. So a good article here. Hopefully you feel that as well. Um, you know, if uh, if you're not, if you're new to preparedness, if you're new to the podcast, you can go sign up for the email list uh, and go, you know, over come over to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com and sign up for the email list. And, uh, you know, you'll be automatically enrolled in the free e-course and uh, you'll get uh, a new email every week, uh, you know, on a topic of self-reliance to help you start moving that way and definitely you know you want to hit prepper website as well tons of articles over there all right so uh good article here at modern survival blog and like i said you want to go uh check out uh, the comments over there all right let's go ahead and go on to the next article and uh because it's friday i try to pull an article from the archives and uh, i haven't you know for for a time there um i was seeing a lot of articles on zirpots and uh, I haven't seen one in a long time, so I thought it would be good to bring out this article. It's not a very long one. There's not a lot to a Zirpot, but there might be people that are new to preparedness or and definitely new to the podcast who've never heard about a Zirpot before. And so um, it's something to, uh, something to consider. So let's go ahead and read this one. This comes to us from preparednessadvice.com. Uh, and uh, again, the title is How to Make and Use Zirpots to Keep Your Foods Cold. And uh, this is an old article from 2013, July 25th, 2013. So uh, pretty old out there. Well, not completely old, but a lot older than what we normally see. All right, so <laughs> let's start reading. Zirpots are simple cooling devices that is used in third world countries to store fruits, vegetables, and other foods. Now, they are not going to freeze your foods or replace your refrigerator. They will keep foods cooler than the ambient air temperatures. Since they work on the principle of evaporative cooling, they work best in a climate with low humidity. Often they are used in third world countries to transport fresh vegetables to market. Depending on the humidity, there have been reports of them cooling foods by as much as 20 degrees. Making a zero pot is very simple. All you need is two porous clay pots one larger than the other, as well as some sand, water, and a cloth. First, plug the hole in the bottom of the pot with a waterproof material. You don't want the water leaking out. Then, you just put one pot inside the other and fill up the space between them with wet sand. You will also need a thick, wet towel to put over the top to keep the warm air and light from getting in. The pot cools as the water evaporates, allowing food stored in the inner pot to stay fresh longer. The pot should be placed in a shaded, dry, ventilated space for the water to evaporate effectively. Evaporative coolers perform poorly or not at all in climates with high ambient humidity, since the water is not able to evaporate well under these conditions. You can use undrinkable water to wet the sand without contaminating the food if the inner pot has a waterproof glaze. You need to replenish the water in the sand at least twice a day. Add as much water as you can without the inner pot starting to float. 
depending on the temperature and humidity in the area in which you live, reports indicate that the temperature difference between the inside and outside temperatures can be over 20 degrees Fahrenheit. If you are a diabetic, this could make a big difference in how long your insulin stays usable. So, uh, you know, like I said, really, really short article. The only thing that I would have added here is um, you might need to add a little bit of sand to the bottom of, of your, your outside pot because you want the pots to be level. So um, you want the, the, the smaller pot to be level with the, um, the, the outside, the inside pot to be level with the outside when you're doing that. And uh, I, had, I, I had two pots that I was trying this with and had them in the garage and, and procrastinated on it a little bit. And uh, the kids were in there and moved some, some items and broke, the, broke uh, the pot. So never got to try it. But I really don't think it would work really well in the environment that I'm in, Houston. Uh, you know, after pulling this article up, I just wanted to check the humidity levels. Here in Houston, it's 76 degree, 76% humidity. And then I went ahead and checked, you know, hey, what is it like in the country in East Texas, um, you know, in my dad's place, because I could make a zero pot and just take it up there and have it ready to go. But it's 86 percent humidity up there. So I'm like, man, uh, I don't know. That's probably not going to work. I still want to try it just to see what it would do. But I don't think I'm going to have very, very good success. But those of you that are in drier climates, uh, definitely this, you know, I would have one of these ready to go and uh, ready to use. Uh, it's not hard to do. And if you need like a, a video or whatever, you can, there's plenty of videos. You can uh, just go to YouTube and um, type in Zerpot and that's a Z-E-E-R pot. And um, you'll find plenty of uh, examples of people using a Zerpot. So anyway, so that's it for, um, for, the podcast episode 95 again i get to the end of these you know every week and it's like man i can't believe it's 95 next week it's going to be 100 episodes and that's that's just crazy so i appreciate all the support that's out there and everybody who comes out and shares the episodes uh, it really really means a lot to me because sometimes you know you're doing it and this is kind of really extra for me you know i, I hope at some point uh it can uh, be a financial benefit, you know, because um, there is money going out. I mean, there are some some things that are uh, that I need to tighten up with on Prepper website. To be honest with you, I'll be sending out an e email to the list on Prepper website, and there are some websites that I'm going to be um, uh, moving over to. Uh, so Prepper Church. It's kind of the hosting is coming up for renewal, and I just don't have time to to do that. But I have a lot of articles that I wrote on there, and other things that I did that I'd like to keep. So I'm probably going to incorporate those articles into Ed That Matters, and uh, start slowly start re-releasing those. And uh, I think Totally Homestead is I'm going to move that underneath Prepper website as well, uh, just to kind of save on that hosting because you know there's money going out, and just uh, want to be a good steward of 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 the money that is going out. And like I said. Uh, hopefully at some point prepper website podcast um, you know does does benefit a little bit but I do appreciate uh, everyone who's helping to support it you know just getting the word out there it means uh, like I said it means a lot hey this weekend hope you get a chance to get out there and, and do something uh, good maybe build on some skills uh, learn something new uh, if you're looking for more preparedness content don't forget to come over to prepperwebsite.com 
Uh, that's where we grab all our articles that we read on the podcast. Uh, you know, there many, many websites have given us permission to read their articles in full. And I uh, really appreciate that. And so, you know, uh, we grab their articles from Prepper website. And we have a lot of content over there, uh, not only uh, on the articles that we post every single day, but also in the, the on the top right-hand corner, you can go to, like, if you're interested in uh, alternative news or you're in, interested in conspiracy or DIY, frugal living, if you're interested in uh, firearms and anything to deal with firearms, we have pages that uh, that uh, you know deal with all of those all of those topics and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of information there. So uh, the shooters gallery, the one that deals with firearms, is, is starting to become a real popular one. People are really really enjoying going to that one and, and seeing all the articles there. So uh, those pages get updated on a regular regular basis. Uh, you know, sometimes a couple of times a day, and if that that really happens automatically. The stuff that we put up on the the front page, that stuff is curated, uh, and we you know we go through all of those articles and, and make sure we're putting really really great ones up there for you. So again, like I said, appreciate everyone who uh, who supports us. Hey, uh, if you get a chance, drop me a line in the comment section. Uh, come hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Don't forget that you can come join the Facebook group, the the Prepper website Facebook group, uh, which is different from the page. And uh, again, I'll throw that out there. I think I'm going to put something on the website. Uh, on Prepper website about a meetup in the Houston area. If there's anybody in the Houston area, uh, you know, just a meetup maybe next week or the week after and seeing, uh, you know, seeing if there anybody's interested in, uh, you know, how we can, uh, you know, just get to, to know each other. I know there's a lot of people listening in Texas. So, again, really appreciate everybody out there. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.